taste of the summer is the Wild Wayne Don Dada Jerk Magic Rub. Available now at BiteThat.com. Jerk Magic Rub. Order it today at BiteDat.com. Have you been jerked yet? Yeah, I said it. Have you been jerked yet? Get jerked today with the Wild Wayne Don Dada Jerk Magic Rub. Coming to retail soon. Available now online at BiteDat.com. B-I-T-E-D-A-T.com. Jerk Magic Spice. Yes, sir. Season number two has arrived. Man, this is an incredible feeling. The journey is real. I remember, I remember way back in the days. How far back? How far back? Before we started uh, episode one of season one uh-huh. of the Wild Wayne Unchained podcast, we didn't even have a name for it. <laughs> I said, I'm going to just find some jerk chicken and we're going to talk this thing out. We had an idea. We had a concept. No script. Nothing. <laughs> and how about the first episode, oh, number man. 10 in the country? We got to thank our listeners out there uh, all around the Crescent City, all around the Boot State, all around the world. Man, this is amazing. Yeah, they, they believe in us, man. And uh, I believe in you and I believe in that guy in there behind the machine. So hey, the C. three Smith of us. Smith on the track. That's right. The three of us. We came together and we did something, man. We did something that uh, sh- yeah, I didn't a, think we was gonna do. Applause. Yeah, yeah. Talk I, about it or be about it. No more analysis paralysis. That's the motto. Uh, the first season had some incredible guests. Uh, if you have not listened to season one, you can go back. Check it out at your leisure. Uh, we started off with the New Year's Resolution show and New Orleans Traditions for New Year's. We did Mia X. That yes. was an amazing podcast. Two-part podcast. Yeah, and, and the first one, we didn't even talk about music at all. Um, and people have been raving about what they learned about New Orleans culture, about Seven Wall culture. Even had a little surprise on that show with yes. you. Yeah, yeah, man. That's, uh, that's my cousin, man. That's my relative. I didn't know that. She didn't know it, but... Hey, that's how it work out. You better man. ask when you meet somebody in New Orleans who they're related to because you might be kissing cousins at the end of the day if you don't uh, ask them questions. I need some identification. Who is your mama? Like you said, I mean, there's the, the phrase is six degrees of separation, but you said how many? It's probably about two. Two. It's two. about two around here. Right. And really across the country, we are much closer than we know in this country. Um, so it's important that we do this piece as an oral tradition and we talk about some of these things whether they be from yesteryear or we talk about the future that's what we're doing here with the podcast we moved on from Mia X we did some great people like uh, Donald Harrison Jr. man who taught Biggie some game back in the days that's that untold story that we able to get out of people who else we had on the show Uh, we had Mr. Ben Jaffe 
Ben Jaffe. Preservation Hall Band. We took a trip to Cuba. That's right. That's yeah. right. The Tuba to Cuba documentary. Really good. Yeah. Really good. Uh, also, um, Chopper Style, man. Chop, chop, Chopper Style. Chopper Style. Chop, chop, chopper. And if chop, you from chop, real New Orleans, you don't do the motorbike. I'm just trying to tell you. That's some, chop, some chop. new thing. That's that's the transplants thing. That's the millennials <laughs> thing or something. Hey, then we took a trip to uh, Bayou Road. Yeah, man. Uh, because Bayou Road got a speakeasy over at Whiskey and Sticks. Good stuff, good stuff. Sip some good whiskey, smoke some good cigars, and uh, had a good time. Uh, We had the art guru, B. Mike, man, the muralist extraordinaire. That was another really great show, man. People really loved that episode. That guy is really a visionary. Um, His work around the world, but started right here in New Orleans. Uh, We had Loretta, man. That was a dope show. Check out Loretta's Authentic Pralines. I I don't have a favorite podcast, but if I had a favorite podcast, I think that would be right up there with it, man. Man, that was good. That was really good stuff. Her energy is amazing. The food. And them damn crab meat beignets. The food. And and, uh, I think we had, well, we had one more episode, I think, in Vance. Season one. Yeah, Vance Volkerson. Vance Volkerson. Come here, girl. <laughs> Let me put this meat in your mouth. Vance that meat in your... That's right. Little Vance, man. Vance, uh, Vance had a special story because his family was uh, had something to do with the Jazz Fest. Yeah, and you know what? It was just the 50th anniversary. I ran into Vance at the, uh, the 50th anniversary Jazz and Heritage Fest, and he was bubbling. Like mm. He was like, man, since the podcast, he's gotten a million interviews And that just goes to show the strength of what we're doing here. This is authentic stories for us, by us. We control the narrative. That's right. That's right. If we don't do it, like you say, if not us, then who? If not now, when? You know, and there's no better time than the present. All right, no doubt, man. Shout out to all our people that brought us food on season one as as well, because I know I probably ain't going to get everybody in. Ill Epiphany, We Print 101. Shout out to uh, Natives and Nola by Nature, some of the gear we rocked on the show. Uh, Elemento, LLC, had the Black Lemonade, uh, Element Lemonade, We That, Chicken and Shrimp. Uh, who we forgetting? Crazy, uh, crazy Waffle, crazy waffle Bar. Yeah. Uh, that was some good stuff. Uh, the Wild Wayne Don Dada Jerk Magic had some good jerk chicken. Have you been jerked yet? Uh, I'd like to get jerked again soon. All <laughs> right. Hey. Dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, Pickle Nola. Pickle Nola and... Um, Gracious Bakery. We have to give huge, enormous props to our friends from Cajun Fire Brewery. Yes. Man, they were really great supporters of season one. We thank you. We appreciate you. Get that honey lager. It ain't nothing nice. They're about to really blow up. They're building their cultural hub out in New Orleans East. So mm-hmm. It's good. I think that's everybody, man. But we're about to start this new season. Shout out to everybody around the world that has been listening. Because I think uh, we're like in every country around the world at this point, man, as per the metrics that that we get. Um, People are listening on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play Music, on Spotify. Uh, You can go to the site and catch all the episodes, wildwayneunchained.com. And that's how we want to start this show off, man. A little recap of the accolades. And we have a big announcement. We will be at the 2019 Essence Eats. Yes, doing the podcast. 
Uh, we'll have culinary stars from around the city and around the world that we're going to include on the show. That'll be coming up. That's enormous. We thank the folks over at Essence uh, because they believed in our product. I said, um, y'all listen to these podcasts or y'all just following the hype? They said, <clears throat> excuse me, we've listened to all of the podcasts. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what, that's I'm, what talking I'm talking about. about. So with no further delay, man, let's start this season number two. We're all about the culture the cuisine, and the lifestyle. So we're going to talk to a very esteemed culinary icon. Today, to kick off season two, we have the she-chef, Miss L. Simone. Let's get this thing started. Started, started. I didn't come to New Orleans until I was probably in my 20s. Okay. Um, and I didn't realize what a what a spiritual experience it can be or would be. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have roots from here. Like, okay. I feel like anytime you step your foot on soil um, that has something to do with your bloodline, you have a very unique connection. With it's it. sacred. It's very sacred. And mm-hmm. you feel it instantly. I, I've never been to Africa. Mm-hmm. So when people who have gone talk about how they feel when they get there and they like get off the plane and they touch the ground and it makes them want to cry, that never, it didn't resonate with me until um, I came here. So that, that's how you felt? Yeah, I literally felt absolutely connected, like almost like in some past life I lived here mm. or I should be here. Right. I definitely felt immediately at home. At home. I'm good. And uh, we are off to the races. Off and running. With another episode of Wild Wayne Unchained, the (laughs) podcast. If you can hear these conversations before we get started, man. Sheesh. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, We were explaining for those of you out there that have never heard the term VOG, it's a production term. Big productions have that voice that comes. From nowhere or from everywhere that you just hear, but you never see the person in VOG is voice of God. So that's <laughs> Sean had some particular uh, resistance to that. Nah, uh, he'd be called the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> now nah, I'm not referring to no man as God. But hey, anyway, we're here. Yeah, and today uh, we have another uh, exciting guest. I had an opportunity uh, to catch her speaking to some college kids over at Dillard University. She did an excellent job. They were super engaged. Uh, They asked all the great questions, and she did great explanations of everything. So we're just going to just jump into it. Uh, Our guest today is the She-Chef. It's the She-Chef Ella Simone. Yeah, applause. Thanks Probably for having crazy. me. Crazy. How are you, Seven Warriors? She's actually waiting. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's waiting. I'm good. I'm good. How y'all doing? We are good. good. It's exciting times as always. Um, but I did catch you yesterday. Not yeah. only did I catch you, but you fed me too. So you're a special woman to me. She she fixed some. Uh, it was some cauliflower that she used some very special ingredients to make buffalo with yes. uh, as, as a, a vegan option or a healthier option. Uh, and it was very, very good. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, vegan buffalo cauliflower bites. Let's, let's get it right. Exact. Vegan buffalo cauliflower bites. Yes. Now, you know what? I saw it on uh, America's Taste Kitchen webpage or their LinkedIn page. Oh, yeah. AmericasTestKitchen.com. Mm-hmm. You can watch the segment that I made it on. Mm-hmm. And you can also make the recipe. 
Okay. Yeah. And maybe, can we post that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we'll post that. You can uh, check it out. It's it's not the average uh, cauliflower buffalo fry because the interesting thing is that the batter stays on. Yeah, it's it, better. It doesn't fall off. Okay. Like a lot of yes. times the batter will just kind of flake off or whatever. But she's got some very interesting tips to make it stay on and it's some of the most unusual ingredients you would not think about if you if you fry and cook you know everybody yes. uses eggs and flour and stuff like that i've always had a problem with my consistency i, I can't never keep anything to to, to clean to you know and i drop it in the batter I, right. yeah well it's not meat it doesn't it, it's not a protein it doesn't have any skin there's no fat okay. so you gotta you know kind of gotta manipulate yeah you gotta manipulate it see I, i'm not a cook i'm an eater Okay. And I leave the cooking to my sidekick over there. He, he does all the cooking. So you give him all the tips on how to make it clean and mm -hmm. how to do what it do. And you'll make and, it disappear. And there you go. Right. That's, that's what I that's do. That's teamwork. He, he's I a like magician that. eater. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I want to uh, definitely include you on the show. I know you kind of move in and, in and out of town. Got a couple yeah. of roots here that we'll talk about in a minute. But you are the first African-American Period or African American female chef on America's Taste Kitchen? I am the first African American woman and person wow. to be on the show of uh -huh. America's Test Kitchen. Right. They have lots of interns, um, they have test cooks, mm -hmm. um, some of which are African American, but I'm the first to be on the TV show. And it's been around for 20 years. 20 plus years. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. so was that a validation for you? Like, yeah, I'm here. I have arrived. You know, I, I'm honestly, I'm going to say no, you no? know, because mm -hmm. for one, I'm never, it, it never impresses me that in 2000, hmm. anything, we're still having first black somethings. Right, right. That, that is a mind blowing thing to me. But also, um, I've always kind of been like the person who did the odd job, mm -hmm. you know, so it was not a surprise for me to be like the first black person, you know. It just wasn't odd. Like, I'm always like, in my, even in my family, I was the first one to move out of Detroit. Mm -hmm, or the, mm -hmm. But you're the trendsetter. Well, yeah, th that's a good way to put it. Some people call it the black sheep. Mm -hmm. I mean, either way, I'll take it. Um, so, you know, it, it's not uncommon for me to be the first because I'm such a curious person mm -hmm. that if I see something that seems uncharted, I'm definitely all about it. I'm very curious. Okay, okay. So what built you up to this space? Because I'm digging. Like, I was so intrigued when you told me you have family from here in New Orleans. You're what? Y'all are based in Boston for the show, right? Yes. And yes. you did New York, and you mm -hmm. got roots in, in Detroit. Yes. But your family is from Louisiana, Mississippi. Correct, correct. Um, both of my grandparents, um, their set of parents, one is from Mississippi originally, and the other is from New Orleans. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I've, I definitely have strong roots here. So did you make those summer journeys to New Orleans and Mississippi as most people that had the mass exodus in the 50s and 60s and send their their kids and grandkids to New Orleans? Yes or no? Unfortunately, I did not. Really? Um, I did go to Mississippi okay, uh, okay. when I was younger, but you know we didn't really have any remaining roots here. Mm -hmm. I didn't come to New Orleans until I was probably probably in my 20s okay um and i didn't realize what a what a spiritual experience it can be or would be mm -hmm. especially if you have roots from here like okay i feel like anytime you step your foot on soil 
um, that has something to do with your bloodline, you have a very unique connection. With it's it. sacred. It's mm -hmm. very sacred, and mm -hmm. you feel it instantly. I I've never been to Africa. Mm -hmm. So when people who have gone talk about how they feel when they get there and they like get off the plane and they touch the ground and it makes them want to cry, that never it didn't resonate with me until um, I came here. So that that's how you felt. Yeah, I literally felt absolutely connected, like almost like in some past life I lived here hmm. or I should be here. All right. I definitely felt immediately at home. Wow. And you know what? <clears throat> it's always amazing to hear that. But I hear it a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of folks that come to New Orleans and automatically feel that energy. Well, you know, I think it also has a lot to do with the history of New Orleans, mm. you know, in terms of slavery, you yeah. know, like a lot of people don't talk about how the conditions for slaves here were far worse than any other state in the United States. Right. A lot of people don't know that. But by, by default, because this had the most slaves that came through Absolutely. this port in Absolutely. America. I mean, and then just the geographic location, like any type of like when we just walk from the house to the car, we're like, Jesus, this is hot. Right. You know, we're not talking about 18 hour days working, you know, with with sugarcane or you know that's very different rice farmers rice yeah. farmers you know so i feel like when anytime you're in a place if you are a black person or of african descent anytime you go to a place where our people have endured the most or even thrived the most i think spiritually you feel it mm -hmm. it's impossible to to you can't even you can't even deny it's it it's blood in the soil that's it that's hmm. it I, I, when we venture down into the french quarter from time to time you get that feeling you know you go down into the i don't french like market. the french quarter that much no. I ain't even going front. Why not? Uh, it's just too touristy for me, and it's never anywhere to park. Well, you're from so, New so Orleans. So I get aggravated. <laughs> right, you're from New Orleans, right. so you, you kind of, it, it didn't wear it on right. you a little bit. You yeah. get over it. When, yeah. when we were kids, we had so many capers in the quarters. <laughs> like, we did a lot of stuff we had no business doing. <clears throat> I'm not even going to discuss it because I don't know if the statute of limitations is up. <laughs> but anywho, <laughs> What did I they say? Na names have to be changed to, to uh, protect the identity. To protect the identity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I ain't yeah. even going to go there. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, there is that, that, that certain energy. And it's crazy because of the amount of people that we've talked to and continue to talk to, mm. whether it be musicians that come to town, they especially feel it for, yeah. for whatever reason. Folks that have had roots here, they feel it. So there is something special and unique yeah. and spiritual about what goes on here. So um, we're glad to have you for Thank the show and, and know that you, you have a, a connection with our city. Yes. Um, but did you always want to cook were you like some people from from a kid oh, i want to be a doctor and they grow into great doctors or some people they want to be a mechanic and they've always worked on cars even with was tycos or whatever yeah. for me i never wanted to do radio as a kid mm -hmm. i didn't even listen to the radio right. i was doing all kind of other crap like a million other things i wanted to be a doctor that didn't happen. Well, I, I was i was <laughs> oh, well no nah. so did you always want to cook I was always cooking, like even as a child. So I never, it was never not a part of my life in the first place, mm -hmm. but because it was so part of my day-to-day -day life, when it came time to choose a career, I never even thought of it as Default. a career option. Yeah, it was like, Default, yeah. I cook every day, you know. Um, They're gonna pay me to do this? I didn't even know that was possible, even though <clears throat> I was watching the Food Network at the time, and Emerald was really the main, um, Emerald was the main, 
driving TV, force. Yeah, yeah, driving force on TV. He was the the main character of the Food Network at the time. So he was all I really knew. My grandfather and I would sit and watch Emerald all the time and, you know, like, bam. You know, we enjoy it. We would enjoy the cooking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my it, it can, my grandfather had a connection with it because it was part of his roots. And so we enjoyed it. But there were no women on, on television and certainly no women of color. Julia Childs was yeah, on television. Was that's the only one I remember. But she was on PBS and we were watching cable, obviously, at that time, of, you know. Um, and so I didn't know of her until I was older. Um, and you know, because you don't see anyone who looks like you, it, I think if I even mentioned it to my family, which I may have, I think I was probably encouraged to take a, a more practical, traditional career, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, well go to college first, get your degree first. And then if you decide you want to do something after that, fine. And so that's just what I did. I went to school. Mm-hmm. I became a social worker. Um, I love social services. I love human services. Mm-hmm. I loved that work, but, um, I really entered the working class within the first four or five years, the recession hit. And shortly mm-hmm. after that, two years later, the agency I worked for lost their funding and I found myself without employment. Right. And, um, you know, in Michigan, if you don't have a car, you, you can't get around, you know, and so like, you know, you lose your job, you kind of bottom out. Right, I, ro- right. I rocked bottom, you know, at least twice in life, but that was the first time maybe. And, um, you know, I just had to sit down with myself and really, like, decide what I wanted to do. The funny thing is, though, is that I was cooking at restaurants at night. I was already moonlighting. Oh, like, that was your side hustle. Yeah, it was my, that was, like, my de-stressor job. Like, people laugh when I say that, especially people in the culinary industry, because cooking as a field is so stressful. But I was just, like, chopping onions, chopping tomatoes. My job was just, like, prep. Chop, and you were chop, damn chop, good. Chop. You were my, a damn good onion chopper. My knife skills are impeccable. <laughs> like, you don't want to meet me on the street in a knife fight, okay? Because you will not win. You will not win. Regular Freddy Krueger. You won't win. So uh, you weren't formally trained in, in culinary. No, not at that time. It was just something that you know I enjoyed doing. And then um, I was looking for jobs and saw that Norwegian mm-hmm. Cruise Lines was hiring for a cook one position. And so I was like, you know what? Let me just, if I like this work, if I'm really passionate about cooking, I'll know for sure if I take this job, because at the interview, they let you know right off top, you're going to work 10, 12 hours a day. And I'm like, okay, if I can cook for 10 or 12 hours a day, then I love it. And it makes sense for me to move forward. If I don't, I'll find out on this job and then I can come home and figure and out. And you can travel the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the bad thing about that, if you didn't like it, now you're on the ship. You're stuck. You just can't leave. Oh yeah. You can leave. What? Yeah. They, just like you can quit. They can fire you. You can be off that ship in the one day. They can send you home in the dinghy. Yeah, huh? they can't. Yes, <laughs> they will. Cast away. Yeah. You lucky if they, they would take you back shelf. to the main island, right? Just give you a, a life preserve and throw up the egg. A little now. push. Yeah. <laughs> Are we drinking some Dixie beer? Yeah. Uh, Salud. Salute. Salute. Yeah, yeah. You know, here in New Orleans, we're all over the world. It's uh, it's Lent. Yeah. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of our listeners are Catholic. Some aren't. I mean, if that's your denomination, that's cool with me. But I figured we'll keep it strictly New Orleans. We got uh, our fares for the day. We got fried shrimp. Mm-hmm. We have the uh, the uh, steak potatoes. I kind of like those. The really thick potatoes. The French fries, some people call them. And we got Dixie beer. I mean, you can't get no more New Orleans than that, you know? Man, you know, my dad kept a stash of Dixies all the time. I'm we to, know. I'm, I'm trying to we figure know. out how to get this back I'm to I'm sure Boston. he knew. <laughs> yeah, my dad probably did knew. He, he did know that we knew that he had Dixies. I, I was, okay, I'm That's not. Good. 
Go ahead, say it. Go ahead, say it. I drank my dad's beers. He didn't know it, though. We were. We were jacking them. We have that in common. My very first, my only other beverage as a kid, other than water, was like Miller High Life's. The ponies? Well, my aunt, we didn't have the ponies. The champagne of beer. Champagne of beer. That's it. That's my drink. It's everything. It's everything. That's hood beer. I would come inside as a kid, parched from playing, and I'd see my great aunt. I'd be like, hey, Jean. I would be parched. You know, Angie, can I have a sip of your beer? And she's like, girl, yeah, go ahead, sip it. And I would come in like every five minutes. She thought it was <laughs> hilarious. Like, you're not going to drink my whole beer. <laughs> so I've been a beer connoisseur since I was probably like eight years old. Okay, okay. I truly love beer. Don't say her name, though. Oh, she passed recently. Oh, oh, yeah. She passed recently. God okay. rest her soul. But, it, you know, it's, a, it's actually a family story, and everyone thinks it's pretty funny that I've been drinking beer since... Salud! Salud! (laughs) Don't stop now. Oh no, no, no! I'm just Um, getting started. There we go. Right. So, how did how did the uh, the Norwegian cruise piece go? Because I mean, that's a pretty big step to even do that, and you you know you're gonna be stuck there. It's not like you can just leave it and run back home to the brownstone because you was in New York at the time. No, I was in Detroit still. Oh, you still in Detroit? Yeah, I was was still in Detroit. I had four. So you did the social work in Detroit. Yes. Okay, gotcha. I actually moved to New York twice. I love to tell people that I went after I finished my bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. to do an internship with the uh, New York Urban League. Okay. okay. And after it was done, I couldn't hack it. I had to leave and go back home. Mm. Yeah. Is is it the stress of New York? Is that is that why? I mean, I I think it was it wasn't the hustle and bustle, but it was definitely like I wasn't ready. I wasn't disciplined. Um, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really go back with a huge plan the second time, except that I did have a scholarship to go to culinary school. You know, you're saying that you moved to New York twice and you say the first time you're there, you weren't disciplined. I hear that story about people coming to New Orleans. Mm hmm. You come to New Orleans and it encapsulates you. It, it grabs you. And if you're not ready for it, it will punish you. Yes. I mean, and New York is kind of the same. Like, you really have to... I mean, I think it's just important to be purposeful when moving through life in general. It just helps you not waste time or money or energy. You know, you don't have to have it all figured out, but it is good to just have a purpose. And at the time when I went the first time in, like, 2002, I didn't know what my life purpose was. I wasn't even really sure who I was Mm -hmm. as a person, you know. Um, I love to tell people that I'm a late bloomer, and it's true. I didn't really figure out myself and my life until I was, like, 30 years old, Hmm. you know. And I did a lot of things. I mean, I'm I'm a Jill of all trades. I can do – I can change my oil. I can change tires. I can do lots of things, but it was – I had to find the one, that that one thing, or in New New York's case, a couple of things – that really um, made me happy, you mm-hmm. know, that m- made me feel like I had purpose. And, you know, cooking turned out to be that thing. You know, that, that's a great story because I hear so many people say they just want to give up. Oh, and, yeah. And I let you know that you can't give up after you fail the first time. You oh, you, you can't give up at all. I, felt, I wanted to give up, like, last week. Okay. Like, I want to often give up. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm one person, not only working a full time job, but I'm also running She Chef Incorporated. Right. And so I'm a full time employee and I'm an entrepreneur at the same time. I've funded She Chef out of pocket mm-hmm. since 2013. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much supporting about 200 women chefs emotionally and professionally with the resource of people who just believe in my mission and help me for free. Now, that that that's black girl magic right there. Boom. That's Boom. black girl Boom. magic right so, there. So is she chef sort of tying together your previous uh occupation of social work with now your <laughs> chefing yes. work? 
Yes. That's that's genius. Well, I, it was just, it was really natural. It was ha- it, was it happenstance? Yeah, what? it was really happenstance. I mean, because I love social work, like, and not just because I love doing the work. I really enjoy watching people thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I am good at obtaining resources. Okay, you know, okay. and that's something that I've always a wanted Detroit to share. Hustler. A Detroit hustler. I am hustler. definitely a Detroit hustler. <laughs> like, I'll never be hungry. I'll never be homeless. You know. Because I know how to hustle, and that's the only thing people can't take away from you. How did did C-Chef start, and and what are are your uh, things that you you stand on with it? Um, Well, C-Chef started probably just from being in the industry and not seeing a lot of women, Mm -hmm. certainly not women of color. And I went to school with a ton of them, so I was like, where y'all at, you know? And... They were all back of house? They were, I mean, not even back of house. Some of them just wouldn't even stay in the industry long enough to succeed succeed, Mm -hmm. you know like because entry level in the culinary world is not a lot of money obviously right and if you are most women of color like most women of color or you are a woman of color your responsibilities to your family are very different most of us maintain our whole family some way shape or form right either by money or time or presence we do it and so you know if your job doesn't make enough money for you to take care of those home responsibilities. You can't stay with it. You can't right, do it. Right. And so they leave the industry, whether they're passionate about it or not. And I don't feel like anyone who has a passion for something should have to give it up because it's not sustainable. First of all, if you're working a job, it should be sustainable, mm-hmm, period. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the only country where people naturally work two and three jobs just to maintain their daily lifestyle, not including vacations, etc. Mm-hmm. right? And so I just, I didn't want to see that. And I wanted I wanted to see more women. I wanted to see more women who look like me because I met so many talented women in right, school. Right. And so I started She Chef. And it was really just like a meetup. You right, know, like, right. we all work in this industry. We might feel the same way. What's your <clears> problems? Because yeah. they might be the same in a different zip code. Let's talk them out. Let's right. see if we can come to some resolution. Even if it was just like watching each other's kids while we had to work an alternate shift. Hmm. Whatever. Um, and then it just... Like, people started reaching out via social media, like, what is she, Chef? It mm-hmm. looks so great. How can I join? Right. I want to be a part. And it just started going. People asking me to mentor them. And I'm right. like, I'm just figuring it out, but right. I'll do what I can, you know? Just never, ask away. Never turning people away. Um, and it just started to grow. And so, um, right now, we are a membership-based organization. Mm-hmm. Our... Um, Membership payment is broken down to every month you pay $25, which Mm -hmm. makes it very affordable and attainable for people. We provide resources mostly through our online community. Mm -hmm. We do, we host events across the United States, professional development, masterclass, some of them networking and social. When's it happening in New Orleans? Well, we're here to start the New Orleans chapter. That's actually why I'm here. All right. That's actually why I'm here. Tell them Um, where they can get information right now. We'll repeat it later. We'll put it on the webpage as well. Well, you can just go to shechef.org to uh, get more information. You can also join there. Okay. You don't have to be a member to attend any of our events. And we do have a calendar, which we'll be posting on the website very soon. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Because this is such a uh, a rich culinary city. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of chefs uh, of all ethnicities, obviously. Yes. Um, and males and females. So um, they, they have some premier female chefs here. Like oh, Nina yeah. and... Susan Spicer and Leah Chase, obviously the matriarch. Yes. Um, but there's a lot of upcoming ones. I'm always, you know, Instagram has been uh, a great, and Facebook too has helped a lot of chefs get more exposure than they probably would have had in the past. That's true. Shout out to Chef Serena. That's my girl. Oh, Serena, that's my hey girl. girl. 
and uh, let that girl cook. She's amazing. Like she, she's amazing. My yeah. wife's in love with her. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Now she's gonna lead us to what we're gonna talk about a little bit later because she is uh, a food stylist mm-hmm. extraordinaire. Yes. She has amazing, amazing work. Um, so I'm giving her her props. Um, but I'm glad to see that the the she chef thing is is gonna have a, a a base here as well. Absolutely. Let us know any way we can be of service. For sure. Especially if we could just come and eat some food. Like, I'm there. Like, and he's, especially the, the magician eater over here. That's what I do. I see. That's I what see. I do. Um, but I have a boatload of resources. Like, yeah. uh, so I'd be glad to help you out anyway. Well, thank that, you. It's important. Yes. Um, you know, there's been a movement afoot to make sure that people of color in general mm-hmm. have an elevated space in the cook world here. Yeah. Because a lot of times, Blacks are just back house. Yes. And, you know, the foods that people crave and desire from New Orleans all are rooted going back to slavery mm-hmm. or potentially like the uh, the Acadians. Yeah. You know? Geechee. Right. Right. I mean, out in South Carolina. Yeah. 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 It's um. well, you know, th- there's a, a huge passion within me for not just the elevated status in the industry, but like. We need more ownership, mm-hmm. you know? And so a lot of my advocacy work is helping women of color become owners because there's a thing about mentorship or representation mm-hmm. that if it's not there, people don't know that they can do it. That's why I didn't become a chef 20 years before I did. I never saw anyone who looked like me. Right. So it's pretty important that people see themselves and then have someone they can kind of fashion their career off of, right? Correct. So most women of color now only have white women chefs to look up to. Our experiences are different. Our challenges are different. The way that we react to life is just very different. So it's very hard to use that as a prototype for what successful leadership looks like. Right, Right. So if we have more women of color in leadership, then we have our own blueprint for how we want to lead not just our businesses mm-hmm. but mostly in our communities right, you know right. because there are a lot of white women chefs who have businesses in what we consider the hood our neighborhoods but no one who works in there is from the neighborhood wow. no one who eats in there is from the neighborhood you know and so i have a i take huge issue with that you know if you're in my neighborhood I should have very, at the very least, some people in here who look like me. At right. least the people who work here. You should at least be bringing commerce. At least the people from that area that can afford what you're cooking. Exactly. Because that becomes one of the factors that deters neighborhood folks <clears throat> going to certain restaurants is that the price point is far too high, even for somebody that's middle classes. But you know what? The interesting part about that is that there's a young man who's a chef in D.C., um, uh, Kwame. I don't want to mispronounce his last name. The brother's Nigerian. Anuwunchi? Anuwunchi? Anuunchi, Kunchi, something like that. Please mm-hmm. forgive me, Kwame. Uh, that's why I just call you Brother Kwame. Kwame from D.C. Kwame from D.C., um, but he opened a restaurant, his very first restaurant. He was opening in the heart of D.C., very high-end. Um, you know, uh, you get prefix courses with wine pairings. The media tore him apart for that. Say he, And he was on Top Chef. He was one of the top contenders on Top Chef. So why Chef. did they tear him apart? 
I mean, he's young. He's black. Well, who do you think you are? To do a high-end restaurant in, yes. in, a, in, a, uh, yes. in the hood. He has a, a memoir right now, which is uh, really great. Um, I'll look it up, and I'll tell you the title of it. But he talks about this in, him, in his memoir. But he now has a very um, popular and amazing restaurant um, called Kit and Ken okay. in um, D.C. at the Wharf. And the food is, like, really true to him. It's, like, Caribbean. It's African. Um, the food is amazing. It, it's a great price point. I mean, it's affordable. It's not cheap, you know. Right. But we all can afford it, you know, for the most part. But And, and it's great because it, it helped him or caused him to really uh, reevaluate his life and his lane and figuring out what is, what's true to him, mm-hmm. you know. But the point of it is that, a person could come in our neighborhood and create a restaurant that has an out, you know, an unreasonable price point, and it's okay. But right. if a young black man does the same in a white neighborhood, it's like that. It's outlandish it's that outlandish. he would open it. How and out. dare he <laughs> right, think right, he right. could do that? You know, so you know. So you're encouraging folks to to want to step off into that piece, like ownership. Um, but how do you properly? educate and train um, because there's a, a few things that go against it. Like restaurants have a high rate of failure. Like I, I've always been an investor and businessman and that's the first thing I say, like, we're not loaning you no money for a restaurant. We don't care what you're doing. Well, uh, and mean, they start conversations with that. And, and I didn't want to open one, but I, I don't, I don't discourage people from their dream. My job <clears throat> is merely to provide you with the resource to fulfill your dream. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't train people on how to run businesses because I am an entrepreneur who has never been trained on how to run a business, not formally, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I do utilize resources like the Small Business Association. I encourage people to do that. Um, They have a mentoring program called SCORE where um, people who are retired business people um, pretty much do one-on-one mentor with you Mm -hmm. to help you build your business. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I encourage people to take those routes, you know, use the resources. Um, I really just teach them how to, how to tap into untapped resources. The ones that normally never make it to the hood, right? You never know. But you have to tell them those because there's still discrepancies in lending money to people of color versus none. So you have to find non-traditional resources. Actually, the SBA is a very traditional resource. The thing is, is that they prepare you for these types of pushbacks mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. just just knowing that you don't have to go into the business venture alone there's there's a way to be trained mm-hmm. a way to get the education there are things that you can do to increase your likelihood of getting loans and businesses one of them is just becoming a certified women-owned minority-owned business in your city DBA, there's, huh? yeah DBA. there's mm-hmm. funding for that you know tell, tell me a quick story what have you faced what have your backlash <laughs> has been you know, um, I mean, this is your story. This is this is honestly know, we're talking about you. I, I, I would like to know there's people out there listening. They, they hear that yeah. you've been on uh, America's Top Chef, but but I'm, I'm sure there's been some pitfalls also. Yeah. Um, well, I I'm going to be honest. I have not had a ton of pitfalls, but it's because I was a social worker mm-hmm. and I knew how to utilize resources. But I mean, I have experienced things like not being selected for um, promotions because I was a woman, mm-hmm. because I was a black woman, obviously. Now, now, you think you've been passed over because you were a woman or because you were black? There's a difference there. 
Um, I think they're really one and the same. You think? I mean, because if I would even, well, yeah, I mean, because even if I wasn't black, I'd still be a woman and I still would get, get picked first. I mean, being black only makes me not get picked third as opposed to second, you know, oh, second. Wow. It's not, you know. You want to be first all the time. Yeah, you want to be first all the time, but it's like first, you know, am I qualified? Second, you know, I'm a woman. And third, I'm black. You know, so like it's not far enough down the line of, of um, cha- you know, like things that would be considered challenges. It's actually just number three, you know. So it's like I'm always going to be first considered a woman who's black, you know. Gotcha, and gotcha. There are some instances where first you're considered black before you're a woman, but you know, in the culinary world, it's women first, then you're black. You know, wow. yeah, like wow. women just don't stand a chance in the culinary wow. industry sometimes. You know, and it's not, it's not right, and and it's a lot of changes are happening. I'm on the board of a lot of organizations that are working to implement some serious serious change, not just by talking, but actual systems in place mm-hmm. to implement change. So I feel encouraged about the future of the culinary industry for women. Um, you know, but it, it is, it has not been without a fight. So is there like, like there's been a, a big push, let's see how I term this, <clears throat> nationwide, uh, but it's been on a local level too about misogynistic practices in the, in the cook place, <laughs> in the chefing world. Mm-hmm. Well, that look she gave me, if you could have seen that look just now, Lord! <laughs> I get a little uh, touchy feely, huh? Well, <laughs> not literally, uh, guys. Don't worry. But does does how, how prevalent is that? Is I, I read some of these stories, and they what goes on behind kitchen doors? Is it that bad? Is it is it as bad as we read in the papers or we see on television? Um, it might be worse. Wow. wow. I mean, because we only know about things that get reported. Mm. You know, there are lots of things. That never get reported. I mean, just in day-to-day practice. Just how people talk to each other in the kitchen. Like, there's a kitchen culture that is um, very um, inappropriate. So, your organization, She Chef, is that something that you guys address? Definitely. 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 Okay. Um, and, I, you know, it's interesting because... Does it happen both ways? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of inappropriate talk that goes both <laughs> ways? Um, yes. Hmm. Yes. I mean, it's a culture. You know, it's not like... It, you know, it's not exclusive of anything. Like, if if this is the conversation, if this is the way conversations are had, this is the way people respond to conversation, you right, know? Right. I mean, the response might not be the same type of inappropriateness as the initial mm-hmm. thing, you mm-hmm. know? Like, if someone says something inappropriate to you, your response will likely be inappropriate, but probably in a different way, gotcha. probably more in a defensive way. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's just a whole culture. The way people talk, the way people act, or if you know, to pretending to see something that is happening and not say anything about it um, for fear of, or you know, repercussions. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll lose my job, or maybe no one will believe me, and you know, and then I'll be perceived as this, that, or the other. Um, and that, you know, that's very difficult because when you already had to work so hard or fight so hard to get your position because you're a woman and potentially a woman of color. You don't want to rock the boat because you don't want your merit to be devalued. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. You know. I was so. just curious because I had heard a lot about it, and to me, it always kind of reminded me of the entertainment business. Yeah, it's the same. There's a lot of similarities. Yes, you know, folks, it's the same. Some folks trying to move up in 
uncouth ways, yeah. you know. But, uh, but sometimes, you know, people in areas of power, yeah, taking advantage of their power. For you know what sure. I'm saying? And when you feel when you're a victim, you you go through a range. I won't even call you a victim. When you're a survivor, you go through a range of emotions. You feel guilt. You feel shame. Um, you feel, uh, you know, scared. You go through so many emotions and you don't know which ones are the real ones because a part of abuse of any kind um, is usually the abuser um, creating a mindset to the survivor that their need to keep the secret is more of a priority than to report the crime. Uh. You don't want to embarrass your family. Right. You don't want them to know. You don't want your friends to think you're a hoe. Right. right. You know, you don't want anybody to think you're weak. You know, you're the only woman in this position. How, right. you know, you don't want anybody to think you can't handle it. Mm. You and, know. And sometimes I think they think they're the only one that is happening to. Yeah. So I they're mean, like, it's only happening to me. I think they're. And it's more prevalent <laughs> a lot of times. I think that they might be aware that it's happening to more than them. But mm. sometimes the question comes to the surface about how much do I have to lose to, you know by making this move like if I can just power through this situation then when I apply at this next restaurant where I really want to work I will have survived that and you know I, hopefully I won't have to deal with it again but aren't all the restaurateurs and owners and top chefs all kind of they're all jammed tight in the city so I mean, I, that doesn't mean that they all subscribe to the same philosophy. No, I'm just saying they feel like if they rock the boat too much, they oh. may not be able to get on because everybody's connected. Maybe. I mean, maybe that could be the case. But also, you know, if your boss is very popular, right? You, you're probably not going to be believed. Like, unless 12 of you come up, and as, as you can see, it, it, it could be 24 of you, and it could still be questionable, you know? Right. Um, you 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 have to be found guilty in the court of law. Mm. That's really just the bottom line. Whether you actually are or not, sometimes it's neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow, that, that, that's crazy. I see your social your social worker skills kicking in. Yeah, you see the wheels yeah. turning mm -hmm. in your head. You know, I can change my hats now. What, what, whatever you need to wear. Huh? <laughs> whatever you need to wear. Um, tell me about your your foray into uh, America Test Kitchen because that that's. That's what you're riding with. Now yes. you're doing your thing. You you become the the bearer of standard at this point. Um, I, I, <laughs> are there some pressure. are there some other uh, women of color that maybe are being hired to be a part of this yes. show now since you've opened up the floodgates? Absolutely, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm the first one, I ain't the, the last. Black, the black sheep. Yeah. Uh, well, we have a sister named Natalie Estrada. Okay. She's on Cook's Country, which is a part of our brand, which is a great show. So, I'm like regional food. Um, regional style food, mm -hmm. um, but she's a host on the show. And um, we have a brother named Lawman Johnson, who is a test cook. He's been there for some time, but um, he's getting his first run on Cook's Country Television Show also. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what, what month the new season drops, but it's soon. Okay. Um, so there's definitely a little bit more black and brown faces right, on there. Right. Some pretty good looking ones too, if I do say something. Myself. All right, yeah. all right. So y'all got a lot to look for. Do they do they try to pigeonhole you to do soul food? No. No. Uh, do you no. do you have a choice in what you do? Um no. 
I okay. don't. <laughs> the producers select the recipes that the cooks um, make. Okay. And uh, I just translate that on television. I don't. I never have to worry about being pigeonholed in general. Because also just because I won't allow it. Gotcha. gotcha. You know. Outside of the kitchen, what, what, what's your? What do you do um, what, outside the kitchen? What's your I mean, I love. You know, I'm from the Midwest, so I love some good Midwest comfort food. I love. Um, casseroles. I love you know things like chicken and dumplings, chili, fried mm-hmm. chicken, hearty foods, red beans, right? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not missing no something Midwestern meals. In a snicker, boy. There we go. Um, so those are the kind of foods I like. I like uh, you know um, corned beef and cabbage. I lo- oh, I love like fried liver and onions. Okay. And, um, you yeah. know, I'm kind of like a mix of. Midwest and Southern. That's how my grandmother cooked, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. We, we ate a lot of Midwestern ways, but huge Southern influence. The hot water cornbread, collard greens. I mean, my ideal meal, like my last meal, if anybody ever asked me what that would be, Uh-oh. it would be like um, smothered cube steak or smothered turkey wings. Ooh. Collard greens, crowded peas, mm-hmm. white rice, hot water cornbread. And, and here we are eating fried shrimp. Well, you know, <laughs> when you in Rome... <laughs> Uh, boy, I tell you, Man, torture. It was good shrimp, though. What's what's your uh, what's your go to meal? Like the one that has really brought you the most acclaim. Like that dish that you're like, man, I know I'm gonna kill him if I put this on. Black IP beignets with what? with tomato jam huh? and um, confit black eyed peas and pork belly. Oh, you gotta break that down. All right, so you got to break that down. I make um, give it to me. I make the beignet with um, some whole and pureed uh, black eyed peas that okay. have been cooked, obviously, um, and some of the little bits that go around it. You can kind of just like sop it up with the beignet. Is mm. the confit black eyed peas, which is really just cooked in oil for about twelve hours um, with um, smoked turkey. No, no, no. We've had some amazing beignets on this show. <laughs> Yeah. Just recently, we had a crab beignet. Mm. That sounds a amazing. Crab stuffed beignet from Loretta's, man. Yes. Yeah. Is Good that a stuff. restaurant? Do yeah. I need to go there? Loretta's Pralines, actually. Loretta's yes. Authentic Pralines. Yes. Okay, that you sounds do. like lunch. All right, great. We can go, go when we leave if you want. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Um, so yeah. So that's my. That was my claim to fame. That was a dish that I made for. Um, we had a, a, a Black Chef series in Harlem about mm-hmm. three years ago, and that was my appetizer course. Um, and it had uh, spicy green tomato jam. Oh, now I was going to ask you that the jam. You said tomato jam. Mm-hmm. Just it's just uh, you know tomatoes. You kind of stew it, put a little seasoning in it, and I can't tell you the secrets. Right. And then you, you jar it. It's basically home canning. You what's just the, make what's your the, what jam. gives it the pepper? What gives it the flavor? What, what peppers do you use? Uh, that's, what peppers that's, do I use? Okay, okay, I got you. <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Uh, you know, she chef dot the, the hot if you ones. Want the she used hot ones. The hot ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what they call peppers. Gotcha. Are you 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 were thinking about opening a restaurant? Um, a little, sometimes, sometimes I do. I see a lot, you know, a lot of my peers are like winning James Beard Award nominations, you know, um, and I think I haven't up until this point, well, one, I couldn't afford it. Right. Two, I'm a very mobile person. I've lived in three cities in nine years. Um, so figuring out where to plant myself for that amount of time and energy is hard to decide. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I was really sure of myself, like, 
I had a hard time finding my cooking style, my my voice on a plate, because I'm so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like Southern, I'm Northern, I'm, you know, it's very hard to translate that in food. Um, but I think I've definitely found my culinary voice, and it and it puts me in the mind frame of wanting to open a restaurant. But I also feel that that's such a that's that's what everybody else does. And right. if you haven't learned anything about me in 24 hours, you will know that I don't do what everyone else does. Right, so, right, right. Um, I am planning on opening up a bed and breakfast, though. Uh, uh, besides from a restaurant, what about seasonings, creating your own seasonings, your own sauces? Any branding opportunities coming up? No, that doesn't really interest me. No. It's not my wheelhouse. You know, I'm the kind of person, I do what I do, and I do those things well. I, mm. you know, if it if it's not a natural, like, oh, wow, this is great, you know, no. It's well, not. you and I share that, because I always say on the podcast, I do me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's all I can do. I can do me. I it's can't the thing do I know best. Else. Right, right. Yeah. I'm good at doing yeah. me. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm much more, I'm better at creating unique dining experiences. Mm-hmm. I did pop-ups for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some in Detroit. I did many. I did some in New York. I was doing pop-ups back before pop-ups were very popular. Um, it's not much of a money maker. You don't really turn a lot of profit. But um, it's good times. It's the good times. Cooking, yeah, right? I use the cooking. platform to highlight women chefs of color. So it'd be like Caribbean chefs who wanted to translate their food in a very you know um, modern way on a plate, mm-hmm. uh, and it was fun. It was a great way to give other women exposure. I enjoyed every moment of it. It certainly wasn't for me. I definitely did it for them, um, but. It, it did remind me that whatever it is that I do, whatever my next step is from here, mm. it'll be unlike any other. There has never been a bed and breakfast that's won a James Beard Award for their food. So get ready for the first one. See, and, and you know what? You were saying certain things just make you move and light you up. And I noticed that light yesterday when you were over at Dillard because she's like, I'm going to the Poconos and I'm yes. going to hang out with my millionaire buddies because. Yeah. And somebody asked the question and you was like, well, I'm not just going to hang out with them. I'm going because she's an African-American millionaire, so she obviously knows what to do, and mm-hmm. I can learn from her. And, right. and I think people have to implement those things like rock with winners. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's cool to have people that are cool, but you learn so much more from folks that have had massive success. They say the conversations are different. Yeah. That's real. I've curated my life so much so that I don't even naturally associate with people who are not winners right right like every time i end up like i came in here today and i was like oh 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 i'm with the i'm in the winner circle oh you're back with winners today right i'm, I'm in the winner circle you. today and and i never and i know it you know why it happens for me because there is no opportunity perceived too small in my mind mm. right I, no, I noticed that yesterday because somebody i don't know what they said but she's like, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm about to promote my stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me to come in, first of all, it's an honor for someone to even think enough of you to come and ask you to insert your voice. Yes. That means people we think thank you, you have for something coming. to say. We thank you. I'm happy to be here. It was more, I was, when you said podcast, I don't even think I knew your name yet. And I was like, yep, I'll be there. What uh, time? Yeah, Tomorrow? She, she sure I'm, did. I'm there. But, you know, also, it's about elevating other people i've been given this platform this platform is a blessing Mm -hmm. i could i had cancer i could have died i could be i could be dead today that sounds funny to say right i just wanted to say because it sounded funny i could be dead today but you know i'm not not. you it wasn't time for you to go first of all it wasn't time you know what it was it was an awakening 
Mm. It was, I was not living my life to the fullest potential. And when I lay, I remember laying on the bed, because I have these quick conversations. I said, okay, God, I know I could die. But if you let me live, if you let me live, I will use this platform to elevate people and educate people. And if I have a platform, I don't know, I'll never know just off meeting you immediately if your platform is bigger than mine but at that moment mm -hmm. it doesn't matter right because right. if i have one it's my responsibility to use it to help other people period hmm. I, i'm wow. just i'm just uh I don't, I don't know what the word is because like we've had a couple of incidents on the show like uh, another friend of mine glenn jones with the uh, black masked Indians, and he had that that moment where he thought he was done, like he thought he was gonna die. Oh, speaking of um, black masked Indians, shout out to Queen Taj. I've been following her on Instagram. The, uh, the, the, yes, yes. If you if you've seen the social media, you bad, you've seen her outfit for I've been Super following Sunday you. and for St. Joseph night, it was really tremendous. Amazing. Uh, is that the one that got married? Uh, on she, no, she's Mardi young. No, 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 she's a young okay. lady, but she she really showed out for uh, Super Sunday and for yeah, uh, St. Joseph's Day. She, she and she does her job. own beading. Yeah, she, she does, does her own bead. bead work. She, she got a little backlash because some of the traditional <clears throat> beaders said that her uh, her costume wasn't traditional. Uh, I don't want to say Mardi Gras Indian because we had a, a lesson last week that told us the difference between Mardi Gras Indian and, and African Indians. Mm -hmm. But but she she created backlash. But hey, I mean, and she's young. Yeah, she's yeah, innovating. It, it was outfit. You know, it was yeah. Outfit. It she's was she's outfit. bringing. She's trying to bring other young people into the tradition. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to step outside the box to do that. So well, shout yeah, out it, to it's her. It's a culture. It's a culture, and yeah. it's it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's but, very but again, cool. Uh, big ups to Queen Taj. Yes, big ups to her. Sounds yeah. like yes. Yeah. So it was uh, like these these moments when folks feel like they're at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then, bam! Like Glenn had, I'd known him for a long time. That this was his epiphany, right? And he knew that's what he wanted to do thereafter. It was that kind of for you. You're like, I can't any longer just half-ass what I'm doing. Like I have to go hard in the paint everything yeah. I do going forward. I would say yes to some degree. Like I, I definitely didn't feel like I was half-assing it, but like I definitely was not. I didn't feel 100% sure. Okay. Maybe it was just of myself, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I was trudging along. Like, I had a, a vision, you know. But it's another thing when you feel like or you realize that tomorrow's not promised. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you never know how much time you have on this earth. And I want my time to be impactful. I don't want to die and people forget me. You know, and, and maybe that's a little ego. But, like, I want to leave something. Right, right, You right. know. I want to leave a legacy of help or passion or, you know, love or awareness or something. Like, I don't want to leave. I've worked too hard to leave this earth and have nothing so, left of me. So you were going hard, but you knew there was another gear. You knew you could go hard. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then, yeah. And when you had that your, your incident, that, that made you realize that, hey, I, I got a little more left in me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and then also, I, I'm... I realized that um, maybe I was also playing it small so other people felt comfortable, mm. you know? I remember when I used to work on the, when I was working mm. on the cruise ship, I made good friends with a lot of the Filipino brothers and sisters on the ship. And I had one friend in particular named Neil. We would often kind of like, we'd have our Thursday where we would go drink and walk around Honolulu because our ship docked and toured the islands of Hawaii. And so we were off the ship one day and we were just walking down the street 
you know, just walking to our destination or wherever. And he said to me, he stopped me and he, he said, you are a head turner. Every, from I've watched us walk eight blocks. You are a head turner. Mm. And I was like, what? No, Leo, come on, let's go. Keep walking, you know. And I didn't really, I didn't absorb that, you know, um, because I felt like, I think I remember just feeling like I don't want that much attention or I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to stand out. You, you can't know? control it. You can't control it. Cause first of all, I'm five, nine, I'm like 250 pounds. I'm bright as a light bulb. You can't miss me in a crowd, you know, like you can't miss me. I've just the regular things, you know, but people would always say to me, like, you have a light about you. My fam my family name is Sunshine. My kids, all the kids on my aunts, uncles, they call me Sunshine. And people have lights about them. Like, my daughter has a light. You can't see like, her own light, though. When she walks in the room, <laughs> you can't see her own light. light. You can't, you but can't. others can. Yeah, others but, can. you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't ready for it, you know, like, it's it's been very difficult being a woman and getting this much attention. Some of it is unwanted attention, you know, mm. like I would fear walking through crowds. So is it guys. the DMs? Do you get crazy DMs? Um, no. No, not that kind of attention. No, because they know I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I check people so fast for disrespect, you know, like I don't even just check people for disrespecting me. I check people for disrespecting other people. Right, right, Perfect right, right. strangers. Like, don't you talk to her like that? I saw a young a young man snatch a book out of a girl's hand. These school age kids. Uh -oh. I snatched him up so fast. Don't you snatch anything from her? You give it back and give it back. You know, it was ridiculous. But yeah, so I just, you know, letting my light shine, um, I mean, I'm very confident now, mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I'm not arrogant, you know, but I'm I'm highly confident. Um, I'm not afraid to be successful, right, right. you know. I plan to make my first million before this year is over. So, you know, they let call me know me, when you're doing the party. I'm coming. They call me, you know, Culinary Oprah. That's my hashtag, Culinary Oprah. I'm okay, all right, so, all right. You know, I mean, it is what it is. I start, like I said, I stay in winter circles, so you know, it's it's bound to happen. Anything, uh, anything else happening for you besides the uh, uh, on television? Besides the uh, America's <clears throat> oh, America's Test Kitchen. Yeah. Um, hmm. Any other appearances? Anything like that? Well, I do a lot of advocacy work for a lot of um, ovarian cancer organizations. So I was the MC for the um, Ovarian Cancer Research Alliance's mm -hmm. Turn Up the Heat event in DC a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was on the cover of the Boston Globe magazine. Okay. All Thank right. you. I've had this has been an amazing year for media for me. I've been in every Boston publication in one year. Mm. My life has turned around completely in two years. You can, you know, like I said, you couldn't have paid me. A, you could have offered me a million dollars, and I wouldn't believe. I wouldn't have believed if you told me that my life would be like this right now. Well, you know, everything happens how it's supposed to happen. The book is written. Yeah, you know the book that, is right? written. I believe it. I believe that one hundred percent. Also, though, I go hard for myself. No one advocates for me better than me. All the all the media, all the things that I've done is interesting. None of that has been booked by um, America's Test Kitchen. Right. I didn't book it either. I'm not going to take the credit for it. But the um, the universe pulled these things my way. Right. That's why we met. <clears throat> yeah. I, I'm convinced. Tell yeah, me, that's right. Tell me about your your plating style. <laughs> like I, this, I, I'm this is I, for me because I like plating. I like plating food like. You know, we've said it on the show a lot of times, people eat through their eyes. Yeah. So, uh, 
like food styling and, and food plating, like what are keys to really making a good plate? Well, so let me say this. I'm not the best plater of food. Okay. And, and even though I'm a food stylist. And you get paid to do that. It sounds, I know, it sounds like a, a oxymoron, mm-hmm. but plating food is a different art, right? Um, and you can be taught how to do that. A chef can tell you how they want their food to be presented. Um, food styling is a little different because you're usually doing it for media or something and the client has a, also has a vision for the food and then you can execute it their way. So you're so, executing their vision. Their vision, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, uh, I, you know, I just want to eat the food that's on the plate. Right, right. Period. I, yeah. I eat the magician <laughs> eater over here. Yes, that's I just want to eat it. I don't necessarily need my plate of food to look fancy. Um, you know, but clients usually want to tell a story through their food, McDonald's or... Um, you know, any any food consumer, they want to tell a story. Oh, that looks lovely. That's tell, so tell me good. That's my little plate right there. <laughs> How does one become a food stylist? Um, well, you can. It's not something that's offered in school. There are a lot of culinary schools that do offer like a professional development course where you can do like three Saturdays a month gotcha. and learn from a food stylist. But essentially, you'd have to learn from a food stylist. I, I do, apprenticed. I do. I have to be a cook. Do I have to be a chef to take this on? My theory is yes. My theory is every food stylist is a chef, but not every chef is a food stylist. Mm. I'm a perfect example of both those things okay. because I am a chef, but I hate plating. But I'm a food stylist, and I couldn't be that if I didn't know how food works. You have to know how food works, almost from a scientific perspective. And, and you also have to know what vessel fits each each dish, right? I mean, plates well, or bowls ideally, or I mean, of yeah. I mean, you can put as little or as uh, as much food on a plate as you want. That's mm-hmm. kind of up to you. Gotcha. But you do have to know food styling is also not just about how it looks it's about taking the picture of it yep. how many angles can you get that picture how long is this food going to last before it starts to look horrible uh, you know you lighting have, yeah lighting is important because lighting is like inside internal sun right mm-hmm. and so it's gonna it can melt it can make your, your leaves of your parsley look wilty mm-hmm. a lot of horrible things can happen if you let food sit and, and timing like you yes. have a certain amount of time to plate it because the food starts to look different it Facts. starts to dry out Facts. or yes. the sauces start to run all over the yeah. plate you gotta have a napkin ready to wipe yeah. the plate or I, start like, over like i really do a lot and and Sometimes you'll do all of this and it looks like crap and you have to start all over again with some That's variations. Right. Like, That's right. See here on my side of the table, the food eaters. <laughs> <laughs> we don't concern us. All they concern about is how big or little the plate there is. Goes. That's right. <laughs> um, do they have classes for like food plating and food stylists? Yeah. Um, so there's some, as, as of right now, I only know um, of the Institute of Culinary Education in New York. They mm. offer a a class on campus um uh, there's a sister named rose claire oh what's rose claire's last name i think johnson maybe she's on instagram she has some videos of food styling i'm gonna start doing a um a series on food styling um you can i'm watching it all day website well you know yesterday was kind of like my crash course like Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm practicing. I'm, when the, anytime you see me doing something, I'm practicing for another thing. It's lab work. That's mm-hmm. what I call it, lab work. I, I'm yep. curious. I'm curious. Where people listening to the podcast, where can we get your fare? Where can we get your food? How can I taste your food? Where do I find it? 
Um, how can I catch up with you? I know you're globe trotting, you're all over the place. But <laughs> how can I catch well, up? Well, right with now you? you have to come to my house to eat my food, or you can invite me to your house and I can cook food for you there. But as, as it stands, the recipes that I cook on America's Test Kitchen are developed by other test cooks, mm. and I just teach you. <clears throat> excuse me, I just teach you the ins and outs of it. Okay. But, um, you know, right now I'm kind of, I, I consider myself like in, in training or in hiding or not hiding, but like, uh, like my own personal boot camp. You know, I'm spending some time with myself and my food. I actually will be, I take that back. I'm going to be doing um, a chef series with Chef's Feed in Boston. Okay. Um, June 21st through the 23rd. It's three days of cooking. So I'm going to I'm going to be uh implementing my style of cooking there. Okay. So, you know, you're going to get something like a BLT. A BLT? Yeah. yeah. I want no BLT. Well, I want you, you want BLT if it's uh glazed pork belly on top of hot water cornbread with but, a so little So it's a spin on the BLT. Yeah. It's not your traditional. It's BLT. not your traditional BLT. But now you you're know. talking. <laughs> now you're talking. With a fried green tomato. That's the tea. <laughs> Let me ask okay, you this yeah, quick okay. question. Let me ask you this quick question. You said you're you're for test cooks, right? Mm -hmm. you, you prepare the dish. I'm not much of a cook, mm -hmm. but how is it that I can take all the ingredients and I can take the recipe mm -hmm. and I can put it together, but my food just doesn't come out like yours? Is, is that well, well? That doesn't have as much to do with you as it has to do with the recipe, more than likely. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of recipes floating out in the World Wide Web. But if they haven't been like tested, tried and true, you could pretty much get anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'll cook, if I see something I like or I think is interesting on the web, I'll cook it. There have been many times where, where the, the recipe doesn't deliver. And the, the amazing part of America's Test Kitchen is that we actually have done all the dirty work, right? We've messed it up, <laughs> we've fixed it. And you know, we now have a recipe that if you follow it to a T, you will get exactly what this recipe says that you will get. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the premise is also to encourage and inspire home cooks. You're not inspired to cook if you cook a recipe and it doesn't turn out right. Am I right? You're right. You're, you're right. very discouraged. You know, we want home cooks to feel um, encouraged and empowered. And so we make recipes that work. Our motto is um, we make all the mistakes so that you don't have to. Huh. It is. It yeah. is. So if you just execute it to the T, you will get a perfect, it's going to, you're going to start impressing people so much with your cooking, including yourself. So look, man, yeah. get, watch her videos yeah. on America's Test Kitchen since you say you're not a cook and, and your old lady would be super impressed oh if she God. came home and you have whooped up something, the L special. And uh, so easy. You, you will be the man. Yeah. L, didn't you say you were available to uh, <laughs> come, come over and cook? Yes, but let me tell you something. I don't like charging my friends the rates that it costs to get me to cook in somebody's house. Let me house. tell you something. To make that woman at the house happy? Anything. Hey, hey, hey. Happy house. Well, happy here's wife, the thing. Happy life. If I can teach you how to do it, you, you don't even need me there because, you know. Okay, then you have to get that. me out the so house. Then you ain't we'll got to kick out. Right. Take you up on it. Yeah. Take you up on it. Yeah, so it could be immediate results is what I'm talking about. I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at you. And I know the city doesn't have a certain look. Mm -hmm. You know, for, for me to say that would be crazy. <laughs> but when I walked in the studio today, you know, I was doing my little thing. You know, I was getting me together. I, I glanced over at you. And if I actually thought you were from New Orleans. 
Well, if I could say baby right, I could be. Don't mess it up. That's why I don't do it. But mm-hmm. Wayne has been said, say red, say red. What's she been saying? Say seven more red. I mean, I know, I know the city doesn't have a look, and it would be crazy to, to, to emphasize that or to say that. But you, I thought you were from here. I thought you were from New Orleans. Well, that is such an honor. I don't, you know, whatever that look looks like. Mm-hmm. It might just be the light. This city is, what's, what's y'all's motto? What do you, what's your... I mean, I just look oh. at your, your, your earrings, you know, oh, your my hairstyle. Style. Right. I was like, yeah, yeah. My yeah, style. She, she's from here. She's from the 504. <laughs> yeah. I can listen, you know. I, I can fit in wherever I go. I'm a chameleon, you know. Good. I can fit in wherever I'm I go. I'm glad you're fitting in here with us today. I'm so glad to be here. What are what are some uh what are some of the trends going on in, in uh American cooking right now? Um what, what should we look for? You know for the what, rest of 2019. You know what trend, the trend is right now? Cultural food. People are cooking their indigenous mm. people's food. Our people, all black and brown people, we are like putting our food on a plate with so much pride and in such unique ways. Like cultural cooking is a trend. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What about the vegan stuff? Like there's a lot. It seems like there's all these pop-ups of vegan stuff like never before. Uh, where folks are using more vegetable-based uh, foods and emulating, like, traditional foods or dishes? Well, I mean, I think people are just choosing vegan for maybe personal health reasons, okay. you know? Um, I'm not... My my whole motto is, like, I'm a weekday vegan and a weekend carnivore. I just have to make different choices for the way that I eat. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. are making substitutes because they miss food. But the book that I cooked from yesterday, um, Vegan for Everybody... It's the kind of book that has the recipes that people who need to become vegan or choose to will miss, right? So if I became vegan, I would miss biscuits, mm-hmm. mac and cheese. Right. I would miss uh, waffles, right? So this book has all these recipes in it so that if you need to become vegan or you decide to, you can still have all the things that you enjoy um, and still honor your new chosen lifestyle. As a chef, do you suggest that? Do you suggest someone has a lifestyle where they, they choose to be vegan three or four days a week and they're carnivores in other two or three days? Or I think people should just honor their bodies. I think, you know, part of the reason that I was able to have my cancer detected at such an early stage mm-hmm. is because I just listen to my body. You mm-hmm. know, when it doesn't feel right, when it feels what feels great, you know, I honor my body and I don't let anyone ever talk me out of that. So if your body says, don't eat that steak, don't eat the steak. Eat some vegetables. You know, and I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, one of our very best friends is a doctor, and he said, uh, "Sick people, sick people look sick. Mm-hmm. Sick people act sick. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of his thing." Um, but your body knows. It, oh yeah. I was doing some some research about uh, right post slavery. Um, a lot of women ate cornstarch. Mm-hmm. Like ate it. it was it's called uh what do they call it? Uh blocks. Call it blocks. It's cornstarch blocks. But it's because their bodies had deficiencies of some of the vitamins and minerals that they needed. Mm-hmm. So they would eat this. I thought they were cooking crack. Because <laughs> they got videos of it. And they and they sell like. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never cooked crack before. <laughs> Starts to make blocks. Uh, hey, just, don't judge me. <laughs> but 
I'm going back to like, you know, the early 1900s, right? And they would eat cornstarch. Mm-hmm. If you Google it, it's going to be this bazillion post. Well, now I'm intrigued. And I, so I talked to my it. mom. I asked my mom. And she validated it. Like, they used to eat cornstarch. And people still do. Oh, yeah. They also used to eat um, clay from the south. They would ship it to their relatives in the north. Because they had different dirt. <laughs> this sounds so crazy. I know y'all. But anybody out there that's listening to the podcast, Google it. And you see I'm not making this up. It's the craziest thing. But... I'm going to check it out. You, but your body... She's looking at you me eat, crazy, too. Nope, no. Nope, I, don't, I don't eat the dirt nor the cornstarch. I'm going to just put it out there. There's but, a show but, called but, Strange Addictions, right, and I've seen right. people eat the cornstarch. But only women, and a lot of them, especially if they were going through pregnancy. Mm. It was certain things they needed. Well, clay does have a lot of mineral in it. That's a, that's a scientific fact. I've never heard it about the cornstarch, but I know... Oh boy. <laughs> Man, I'm just telling you, Google it. Y'all look at that be crazy. Anything but. excessive is not good for you. Right. That's it. Right. But your body does know. Yes. I, I said all of that to say your body knows. Your body what knows it needs. what it needs. I got so your put point. the steak down in the cornstarch too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, this has definitely been a fun ride today. For sure. Uh the she chef in the building. Got my girl El Simone. I like how that was El Simone. Je m'appelle El. Yeah, my pal too. Parlez-vous français? Je parle petit français. That's all I know. That's all I got too. I'm glad you stopped right there. That's the end of that. That's the end of that. For all my ladies out there, man, especially if you're in the culinary world, Get involved with C-Chef, man. It's some good stuff. And and I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it and explain it because, like I said, it's not just chefing, but there's a social side to it, too. Yes. And, uh, and there's also support and resources, which is so important for folks that maybe are not making the big bucks chefing yet or maybe need the additional help. This is the organization that can help. You can catch on America's Test Kitchen. When can they catch you on it? Is it periodically you'll be featured or is there um, certain times it's periodically i have about seven episodes on okay. there um so i never know when they're gonna air you just kind of have to check it out but you can go to america's test mm-hmm. and watch all the shows the old ones the new ones you can catch them all there also on create if create so, tv is one of your network you do you know that. when they're gonna come up i don't okay, i don't even okay. watch myself on tv oh. so <laughs> i try and skip that as much as i can Okay, check that website out and check out the YouTube videos. Um, additionally, make sure and follow her on social media because she's always yeah. posting some great things that she's got going on. Shechef.org. And, and uh, what's what's the other Instagram? Your oh, Instagram my page. Instagram is... Because she's always got some good stuff on there. At shechefinc underscore uh-huh. E-L-L-E. So okay. it's basically at shechefinc underscore L. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's my personal IG. Come follow me. I'm 3,000 followers away from Swipe Up Options, so I need you to come follow me. Thanks. Okay, well, we're going to make that happen right now. Go straight to the page and go ahead and follow. Yes, Go to please. her IG and follow so please. she can get the Swipe Up option. How many yeah. you need for Swipe Up? Three. You need uh, 10,000 to Swipe Up. Yeah. I'm almost at seven. You're, you're, you're Swipe Up dude, aren't yeah. you? I'm 50,000. Are you 50,000? Yeah. I'm with a movie star right now. <laughs> what the world? Let me tell you. I, I, was, in, I was in Girl's Trip. So that's, that's my claim. Were you in Girl's Trip? I was the, I was the DJ. And they got interviewed by the DJ, me and Regina Hall. I was a little, well, you were drunk. I, was, I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that girl, the girl's yeah. trip experience for women, they did a lot of parties in a lot of cities before they went to go see the movie and yeah. girled it up. 
And that's how you're supposed you, to do it. Did you fall asleep in the movie? No way. Okay, okay. No way. I just said, that's how you miss me. You were asleep. Uh-uh. I don't fall asleep. I, I spend my good money on black movies, yep. and I watch them from top to bottom, okay? There it is. There it is. Hey, man, we appreciate having you uh, today. Thank you for having I me. I want to come to Boston. <laughs> like, for real. Come. I want to just come in. Y'all should come. Take this show on the road. We can do that. Yeah. We can do that. You uh, you said you're doing the big thing in June, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could put this on the calendar. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's make that happen. With the, the magician eater and uh, the budding oh, yeah. player. <laughs> and yeah. the podcasters. We live in that podcast life. Big shout out to everybody that has tuned in to all the episodes, man. This season two has been incredible already. Um, make sure and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend on what they're missing out on because we got the, the great compelling conversations and I don't need to tell the people that are already listening, but make sure I comment, man. That, that pushes our algorithms up. Make yes. sure I comment, subscribe, download, tell a friend to tell a friend. Emojis. Yeah, emojis mm-hmm. and, and uh, <laughs> videos. Make make videos of yourself listening to it or something. I don't know, but uh, we appreciate Appreciate you coming by today. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great. I'm coming eating Boston. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap, baby. Cue theme music. <laughs>